one foot in front of the other and let not your fears impede. Look not at the way that you stutter, but at who is listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hi, and welcome to the Secret Project Podcast. I'm Jeff Hinton. And I'm Travis Sutton. Uh, Secret Project, if you don't know, is a podcast about music, theology, and faith, and the places where they crash together. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Travis? Well, we're actually going to take a look at Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Now, Luke is one of the Gospels. The Gospels are the stories about the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. Um, so, in this, cha- in this particular spot in Luke, what is happening is that there's a widow. Her son's died. And she is having a mourning, a, a funeral procession coming out of the, coming out of her house. And Jesus has his big crowd following him. He stops in his tracks at this funeral procession, and he looks at the uh, the widow and says, "Don't cry." That seems like a really presumptuous thing to tell someone who's mourning. Right, right. Well, it says he was filled with compassion. He says, "Don't cry," and then he proceeds to go over and touch the son, who's dead. On the stretcher, he touches the sun, sun comes to life, everybody rejoices, and it says there's a prophet among us, God is with our people. That's really interesting that that's the sign of a prophet being among us. I mean, raising someone from the dead is pretty extraordinary, but this idea that he's touching a dead person is kind of considered to be taboo in the in the Jewish faith, isn't it? Right, yeah. Actually, it makes him ritually unclean, which means he can't go and do worship or in the in the synagogue. One of the things that's interesting, and I, before I get to the song, uh, one of the thing I think one of the things I think is interesting about all this is that Luke likes to tie stories together. Uh, the author of Luke likes to take stories and put them with each other that kind of relate. Well, the story right before this one is when he goes and heals the one of the slaves of a Roman centurion. Well, a Roman centurion was a Gentile. For him to go into this centurion's home made him ritually unclean too. So here are two stories back to back where Jesus goes and intentionally does something that's going to make him unclean by the, the institution or the church's standards. That's a, that's you know for someone like Jesus who's not only you know a prophet and what and you know the son of God that we say about him but at the time he was a rabbi like an influential one he was seen as someone who was a teacher of the law that knew something that was going on like even the people that didn't get on board with the whole son of God thing knew that he was an influencer in the faith and so for him to go around just touching people is not what they would have expected. We're touching dead people. Especially I mean, he might people. have been touching people, but he was definitely not normally touching dead people. I mean, not hopefully not. We don't usually get in that habit. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of crazy, but that's one of the things that I think stands out for this crowd. One of the reasons why they see this idea that God was among them and they, they saw that they were, there was a prophet with them was that, this was a person who was intentionally doing stuff to connect with the community at large. And he was doing stuff that were kind of in defiance of the, the ritual of the church at the time. And the, one of the ideas behind a prophet is that they would speak truth to power. That they're willing to you know, stand up and go beyond what is expected 
to get at like something a greater truth behind it. Right, right. So that kind of brings us around to the song. One, the song that I selected for this was Bob Marley's "No Woman, No Cry." All right, right, which is a great classic reggae song. If you're not familiar with it, get familiar with it because Bob Marley rocks. No. So the focus of this song is that Bob Marley actually comes from Kingston, Jamaica, right? He comes from the slums in Kingston, Jamaica. And he is, when he's doing this song, he's actually speaking to the women in, in Kingston that are in the slums in Kingston and saying, look, there is hope. There's no reason to cry. When if we work together, we share together, then we can actually rise up out of this situation. And that's a hard thing for people to hear sometimes. And I think when we see the story of Jesus like going up to a funeral possession, which you know is a time where grief is most understandable. You've just celebrated the life of someone that you're about to lose forever. Uh, to go up into that celebration or that or that like crowd of mourning and say, "No, see, stop crying." Right. Well, here it's bold. Right. It is bold. And here's the big deal: is that the widow is actually the most vulnerable person at this at this point, the most vulnerable person in that group. Why is that? Uh, the reason why is because at that time in first century Palestine, a, a woman's entire worth, her entire value, her entire means of existence really depended upon her husband or her children, uh, particularly her sons, because the wealth of the family was passed through the sons. So if she's already a widow and we're at a funeral for her son, that means that she's lost her last, like, tie to status to have right. any identity uh, in this early society right exactly she's lost her last tie to status or identity she's also probably possibly lost any access to the the estate so her home her livelihood everything that was dependent upon that so she even though it was probably a house that she lived in with her son that if her son wasn't around anymore and there weren't any more heirs that meant that she was probably out on the streets. Right. Right. With very few options or very few legitimate options. Right. So in a way, she's in the same situation as a lot of the women that probably uh, Bob Marley's talking to that are that, that he's responding to in their situation in Kingston is that she they're in this situation where they feel kind of hopeless. They feel like they don't have very many legitimate options for a life and a future for themselves. And so Jesus, in saying don't cry, is speaking hope, not only to her, but to the whole community. Yeah, it's, it's less of an, ad, it's not an admonishment. No, not at all. So it's really, it's really more of saying, okay, we know that this is sad, we know that there is grief here, but this isn't the end of the story. Right, right, this isn't the end of the story. I mean, one of the things we see, one of the themes we see with Jesus over and over again is that God makes things new. And God brings new life, new hope out of a, even a desperate reality. And so with this, there is this idea that, that God is doing a new thing. God is bringing a new thing and new hope to this community. 
And yeah, that's something that we can really celebrate. Right. And even in the midst of like knowing that there isn't an immediate idea of resurrection coming, that you know, at this time when Jesus is telling this woman, "Don't cry," I think he's got the plan in mind that sure. he's going to bring her son back. But sometimes we hear that "Don't cry," and it doesn't come with that resurrection. Sure. So yes. what do we do with that? Well, what we do with that was we. The question I think that we have to ask ourselves is how can we be a message of hope? How can we be a message to hope of hope to the people in our lives, to the people in our community? And one of the things I thought was really interesting is when I, I kind of looked up some background on this song from Bob Marley, because I was really familiar with it, and I was curious to know if there's more to the song than that. And one of the things at the background is that Bob Marley actually gave the composer credits to a friend of his, or, or yeah, gave the composer credits to a friend of his who ran a soup kitchen in Kingston. Now, that person wasn't the composer. He was the author and the composer of the song, but he was actually trying to divert some of the royalties from the song to this person that he knew running a soup kitchen in Kingston that was bringing, physically bringing hope to people in Kingston. And he did that with a lot of his songs. So he found a way to use the position of status that he had being an artist uh, to give back to the community that he was singing about, the community that inspired him quite frankly right right they gave that, that really gave him a voice it was the community that gave him voice and so as he's doing this he's finding a way to bring hope back to that community not just to speak hope back to that community but to also bring it and that's what we see in jesus in this story is that he's not only speaking hope to the community but he's bringing hope to the community so i think a lot of times in, when we're looking at people that are in grief or people that are in a, in a bad situation or a community that's in a bad situation, we have to ask ourselves not only how can we speak hope to them, but how can we actually physically bring hope? And how can we be hope? Right. Because it's very easy to say don't cry. Right. It's very easy for us to look at someone who is far away in a hopeless situation and say to them that no woman, no cry. Right. That because it doesn't affect us, it's not our life, but it's harder to find ways to be that hope for other people. Right, right, and 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 be aware that in both cases, um, they they weren't speaking to people. They weren't speaking to people they weren't unfamiliar with. Yeah, that they were unfamiliar with. Right, Bob Marley's talking to the folks in Kingston. These are people on the streets where he came from. He knows these folks. He knows their struggle. Right, Jesus has spent quite a bit of a, a time at this point in doing street ministry, and he knows these people. He knows their struggles. So, especially in this particular story, because if it comes right after the Centurion story, uh, it means he's in Capernaum. Right, and Capernaum is a place that he hung out with a lot. It's where one of his disciples, Peter, that's where his mother-in-law lived. So it's a place that Jesus would come back to again and again. And it wasn't that big of a town in the mm -hmm. Galilee region. So like, he probably knew this woman. Right. Right, so he didn't. He's not saying this to total strangers. He's not saying this to people that don't that that he doesn't know anything about their situation. He's saying this to people that are that he's familiar with and that they're familiar with him. So they know that when he brings these words that the, of hope, that those words actually carry weight. So what do we do to get into communities? What do we do to like be that hope and to people that we know? I think we start with people that we know. I mean, I think we start with right where we're at. You don't have to go around the world in order to do to do good in the world. You don't have to 
You don't have to go on a big trip in order to change lives and transform communities. You can start with your own neighborhood, with your own street, with your own apartment building, with the place where you're at to actually start engaging people in meaningful relationship and, and bringing hope to people's lives. Yeah, it kind of gets to one of the reasons we started Secret Project was to talk about stories and how musicians are storytellers that can speak the same way that the authors of scripture were storytellers that were giving us something that we can latch on to, that we can find hope in, and how these two get together. I think that part of this this thing that we're talking about is listening to people's stories. Yeah. Because... If we don't know that people are crying and mm-hmm. why they're crying, it's hard to say, tell them to stop. Right, right. <laughs> or give them a reason to stop. Right. And, and I think that uh, I think it's good to create opportunities yeah. for those stories uh, to be heard. It's, I think a lot of times so we don't hear people's stories because we're too busy. We're moving uh, from one thing to the other. And we don't pause and we don't create space for those stories. To be told and to be heard. So what are, we, what are some ways that we can do that? Do you have anything? Some of the ways that we can create space, um, you know, it's actually funny. I, I do a thing called Bar Church, right? And one of the ways that we're going to start creating space is we're going to go down to an area and we're going to offer people sandwiches and invite them to come sit with us and spend time with us. And in an effort to, not in an effort to try to solve their problems or or change anything right off we want to know from them what they're what's going on in their lives and where they're at and where we can help or if we can help and i think that that says a lot that you're not going in with a solution you're going in with a way to hear what the problem is because i think a lot of times that i find myself falling into this uh in the desire to help and to bring hope uh, i tried to do it by solving a problem that doesn't exist Right, right. Uh, and end up giving something that doesn't have any use. Yeah, yeah, we, we do. We have a tendency to do that. And, and not only do we have a tendency to do that, but we sometimes actually create more problems. Yeah. Um, because we've actually opened up a, uh, we've created some sort of issue within the community that didn't exist before where we don't, when we don't realize what's going on in people's lives or where they're at or what their perceived needs are, then um, we're not able to really connect in a meaningful way. This reminds me, uh, like on an extreme level, of uh, after the earthquakes in Haiti a few years back, uh, we, like the U.S. and a bunch of relief efforts sent a bunch of rice and food yeah. over, which, yeah. was, which was great because, you know, people needed to eat. But uh, we inadvertently destroyed the agriculture economy of Haiti for that year right. because uh, the, all these farmers had a crop that they couldn't move because everyone had food from the relief effort. Right, uh, right. And it's one of those things that, like, if anyone had asked... Right. Maybe we could have avoided that because the agricultural areas were the weren't the ones that were affected by the earthquake. So they still had the ability to, you know, create a food. Yeah. But we yeah. didn't we didn't give them the opportunity to. Yeah, yeah. And there's another thing that when we when we talk about like charity and helping others, which was not the direction I was intending for us to go with this conversation, but that's fine. When we talk about charity and helping others, a great resource to read is Toxic Charity. If you if you have a chance to read it, who's the author on that? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. I can look it up real quick. That's eh, fine. All right. So anyway, the great resource is Toxic Charity, and one of the things that Toxic Charity talks about is the idea that um, 
we're also, when we just give people resources and we're not doing anything to empower them to, to gain resources, or if we're just giving resources and, and not asking for anything for free, then that's actually like hurtful to their, their pride, their psyche. And people want to be able to contribute towards their resources. Not, so I have a friend who's doing a thrift shop and one of the things they're doing is they're asking a minimal price for the items that they are that they are selling to people. It's way cheaper than any other thrift shop. They're not really looking to make any a whole lot of money off of it. But the idea of the minimal price is just enough that people feel like they're contributing to what they're um, to what they're getting out of the thrift store instead of just being given away. That's really interesting. Uh, so what do you guys think? How can we be a part of hope for people that feel hopeless? What are some ways that we end up doing more harm than good with charity? Uh, join in the conversation with us. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at JM Esquire. And I'm at WT Uten. Or you can email us at secretprojectcast at gmail.com. Big shout out to the Midnight Suns for our theme song, Variable, off their album, Descartes. Uh, there's a link for that in the description. You should go check them out as well. Thanks for listening to Secret Project. We'll see you next time. Don't shed no